Welcome to the show, Five Star Fam. I'm AJ, and this is Chris. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. This segment is sponsored by Thinking Man Tavern, a cozy Decatur neighborhood pub. Grab a tasty beverage from a wide variety of selections and a plate of something delicious from the menu. To go, check out Thinking Man Tavern. So welcome back to the program, Chris Smith of 90 Men. He, of course, uh, you can find him on uh, the Atlanta United Twitter space and Instagram talking about not only Atlanta United, but MLS on a whole. Some really great takes and also uh, lots of stats if you're into that type of thing. But yeah, welcome to the show, man. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here again. Awesome. Yes. Awesome to have you as always. But yeah, uh, you know, the season has ended. Decision day decided our fate. And uh, yeah, you know, LA United are in the playoffs. Uh, Unfortunately, not a home game. They will be facing NYCFC uh, in Yankee Stadium in that... uh, yeah, I mean, last time we were there was 2018, and that went pretty decently in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, not too bad of, uh, you know, I think the grounds anyway to uh, to see that. But, you know, uh, in terms of the season on a whole, let's talk about that first. I mean, it was definitely an up-and-down season. You have uh, not only a head coach get fired midseason, uh, but you have an interim coach that kind of also inspires the team and also the fans. And then a uh, new head coach, permanent head coach, that does uh, you know do some wonders for us and gets us into the playoffs after it all seemed a little bit grim at midseason. But uh, yeah, how do you uh, how do you assess our uh, our season on a whole? Maybe on a A to F scale. I don't know if you guys do that over there in the UK, but, uh, you know, is it, uh, is it the same? Like, where is it? Uh, yeah, we've, yeah, we've, we've got a variation of that. Well, we can go with that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So on that scale, um, what do you, what do you give uh, a grade for us? Oh, uh, based on what they were coming in to from 20, well, from 2020, which was a, obviously a disaster. And, a tough start under Gabriel Ainsa. I think it very much went from potentially being an F to I think I think you can give it a solid C. Um, maybe even I might even be a little bit harsh there. Um, a season of two halves, um, thirteen games in, two wins, not looking anywhere near a playoff team. Obviously, and then Gabriel Ainsa goes and Rob Valentino takes over. Gonzalo Pereira comes in. The points per game nearly doubles. Um, Joseph Martinez looks like the old Joseph Martinez and Ezekiel Barco lights up after the Olympics, things start falling into place. So I think if you if you were to slice the two in half, it'd be very two very different grades. But I think overall I think a C or a B I think is, is very fair. Yeah, I agree. It's somewhere in there. It's like uh, maybe C plus B minus. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, we uh we underachieved obviously in kind of our overarching uh, team goals for the year. Because obviously, uh, yeah, you know, I think a lot of us uh, with the talents and with, uh, you know, the head coach for, like, all he was lauded for bringing in, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think, yeah, we, uh, we ultimately underachieve, but we, uh, you know, I think 
on a whole, we do well enough to, I, th I think, at least, um, you know, kind of... The, the fan base, I think, will tell you how they feel about uh, the team throughout the season. And uh, especially, I think, uh, you know, that temperature, especially on social media, it's very apparent, uh, at least in my eyes, because I can see how many people are engaging, how many people are just always, uh, you know, kind of following it on a regular basis. And it was definitely, uh, it got a little grim there in, uh, in June and, you know, probably before that in May. But uh, yeah, it definitely saw an uptick in engagement and people caring. And I think that usually is a, a good barometer. But um, yeah, I think uh, for, you know, Atlanta United on a whole with our championship ambitions, though, you know, that's the question. Uh, are we on track? Do you feel like we have a good foothold uh, within the playoffs to do something? In terms of championship championship ambitions, you've got to say they're not on track because they don't have a home game at all. Um, and the, the path that's been laid out in front of them is obviously a tough away game at NYCFC. A, a good team anyway, but then on a, on a very challenging pitch and a, and a narrow a narrow pitch and a, a tough stadium to go to. But then if you win that, you go into the Sport Shield winners in the conference semi-finals. So I don't think you could have ask for a harder draw so in terms of the championship aspirations probably not quite on track but then i don't think that atlanta united should be scared of anyone at this point and um, we've already mentioned some of the talent that they've got but you know marcelino moreno is probably the, the team's best player throughout the whole of the season uh, Luis lewis has come in and made a real difference you know George, uh, George Bellow and, and Brooks Lennon at, at wing back have got really good attacking intent. And the back three, when it when it's really gelling well, or even switching to a back two like they did for the second half on Sunday, they are among the best centre backs in MLS. At least Miles Robinson, I think, has a growing force. Alan Franco as well. So there's plenty of talent there, and I think that there's no reason to be scared. But I think if you're asking if if the championship ambitions are on track, I'm going to say not quite, just because of how the draws fell. Yeah, you know, definitely tough assignments for uh, not only the first round, and if we get past that, uh, yeah, definitely uh, a kind of record-breaking uh, season from New England Revolution. That's a tall task as well, for sure. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, yeah, you said it best, I think. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of talent on this team. Uh, there is uh, some maybe questions on which formation we would play, possibly, and we'll maybe talk about that a little bit uh, mm -hmm. later on, uh, you know, looking into the NYCFC match uh, kind of more intently. But uh, I think, yeah, with that, you know, the three at the back has been the most successful for us for uh, our large swath uh, of, you know, kind of our best spell this season. Uh, now, you know, will we be caught out on a, a side that, uh, yeah, NYCFC, yeah, young side, but also very, very talented. And uh, Tati Castellanos, of course, won the Golden Boot. And so, you know, they will be, uh, I think, flying high with uh, players that know how to put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, but, yeah, our defense has been very solid. Uh, it will be a question if Sosa will have recovered by then three weeks should be enough time probably uh but it'll be that question of 
uh, you know, how we actually set up. Uh, but yeah, either way, uh, there were some matches, uh, you know, kind of this past week. We'll kind of lightly touch on them, especially that New York Red Bulls match because that was such a drab. Uh, but uh, definitely very unlike us. We almost played like New York Red Bulls, where we just didn't want the ball. But uh, <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it worked out. We, uh, you know, were able to make the playoffs because of that result. Uh, you have any like passing thoughts on uh, that New York Red Bull match? We don't want to relive it too much, but yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, it was a tough watch. Um, obviously, you never want to see your team just giving up the ball so easily and panicking and and sort of showing next to no attacking intent until the final few minutes. But I do think there's been a little bit of an overreaction on just how bad that performance was. Um, okay, they lost a bit of composure on the ball at times, but that Red Bulls press was ferocious. Like, I know Red Bulls are known for it, but I've not seen them go in that hard for a while. And they, they really went for the, for the throat with that. And, you know, it, it's easy to unbalance an opposition going in that hard and that fast. Um, so it's understandable. You have to give massive credit to the to the defenders and to the whole team for, for defending as a unit. And Brad Guzan in there made a, bit, a couple of really, really big saves. And, you know, everyone pulled in and and, and basically put in a mammoth defensive effort that, that gained us a, a priceless point. Um, and obviously points away at Red Bull Arena are, for anyone are hard to come by and are well treasured. But I think given Atlanta United's record during the regular season, I think even more so, that point probably felt like two. Oh yeah, yeah. It was definitely by some miracle that that happened uh, because, yeah, they, uh, like you were saying, they could have put us to the sword and they didn't somehow and mm. we uh, were able to escape with uh, with a result that uh, didn't seem fathomable, uh, especially if you, you watched the game. Uh, bless your hearts if you did, because, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, then George, and then George Bellow nearly won the thing at the end as well. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, a little... Uh, oh, no, yeah, but just right at the keeper, unfortunately. It's uh, it mm. one of those. Uh, but, uh, and then getting to that FC Cincy match, which uh, definitely looked a little bit grim in the beginning, too. Uh, we could have give up a, a first half goal, and uh, yeah, we just don't look up for it. We look not maybe as drab or dire uh, like uh, we were playing against New York Red Bulls, but it seemed to be a little bit of a hangover slightly, and um, yeah, it didn't quite uh, kind of uh, pan everything uh, like uh, we wanted, but uh, yeah, some... Second half subs a little bit, uh, kind of helped it a little bit. Uh, and yeah, Miles Robinson scores his first MLS goal in his career at a really, really crucial time. And uh, yeah, equalizes. And uh, it's a really good header, too. I mean, yeah. Yeah, to, yeah it's kind of glancing into the far post uh, right from that corner. It's, yeah, well struck. I mean, just. Uh, well done to Miles Robinson, and uh, he deserves his uh, U.S. Men's National Team call-up. Um, definitely, you know, very interesting in that regard. Where uh, you know, as an MLS player, he yeah is playing part in uh, you know in the national team, where the likes of Pulisic and you know other guys that are playing in the Prem are uh, are 
in there. And so, yeah, definitely big congrats to Robinson there. And then, yeah, let's get to the, uh, yeah, just a ridiculous golazo from uh, Joseph Martinez for the winner. Uh, kind of improbable. Definitely uh, some uh, just, I think, uh, some star moments, really, that won us this match, really. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, Jurgen Dom comes in. He puts in a ball that gets uh, yeah deflected up in the air and on the volley uh, Jose Martinez is able to curl his foot and find that far netting. And, ooh, my God. It is, mm. uh, I think, uh, maybe in terms of how surprised I was, uh, this is on par with Tito Fischalba versus Orlando City when he just knocks it in from, uh, you know, what, what was it, like 30 yards out. Uh, that I fell out of my chair. This one, I didn't quite fall out of my chair, but I definitely was just gasping and I could not believe it. But yeah, how'd you feel about, uh, you know, all that? Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the game itself, big disclaimer, um, I was actually covering Montreal v Orlando at the same time. So I had half an eye on it. Um, I saw a lot of, in the first half, I saw a lot of Cincinnati having the ball. Uh, way too much and I saw a lot of Ezekiel Barco running to dead ends and that's really all I took from the first half was there just seemed to be no energy there, no no cohesion or anything um, obviously the change gets made at half time and things seem to very quickly improve, I've, I've read up on the comments after the game and what Gonzalo Pineda said and obviously he made the tactical switch but he also mentioned about changing the team's mentality in the second half and I do think that's key, you, you know you're going away to the to the bottom of the league on the last game of the season. You know you're basically in the playoffs anyway, but there's still a bit more to go and play for. But it's so easy just to switch off and think you're done and I think you'll just roll your way to victory. And clearly that wasn't going to happen. Cincinnati wanted to put on a show for their fans and they do have, still have some dangerous players as well. And I just think they, they needed to be more up for it in, in second half. I think you saw that. In terms of Miles Robinson, I, I've, I think I've said it on this show before. I think he's, I think he's the best centre back in MLS, um, at the very least as a one-on-one -on -one defender. But I think overall, um, I think he's the best in MLS, and I don't see him staying beyond this season. Uh, so I don't think Brad Guzan's prediction of a hundred goals is uh, quite going to come true. But yeah, nice run to get, nice run to get his first, and uh, an important time to get to get that game back on track. And as you say, a really well taken header. But I think the one that we're all here for is Joseph's goal. Um, I won't repeat what I said when I saw it. I actually looked at the screen about 10 seconds before that happened. So luckily I managed to catch it while I was still watching the Orlando game. And, you know, um, some expletives came out and I started just getting the video of it and, and sending it to all my friends and saying, look at this, because, you know, no one believes me that good things happen in MLS. But <laughs> Joseph, will, Joseph will prove you wrong every single time. So, yeah, incredible goal. One of the best I've seen for a very long time. And, I think a goal that, at least in, in MLS, Joseph is one of a very select number of players who can both even think about doing it and then pull it off like that to get that much power and, and sweep it into the far corner without looking. It's just pure instinct and pure talent and just so, so Joseph. Yeah, we'll get to your Eurostop friends in a, in a second, but the uh, <laughs> but in terms of Jose Martinez, yeah, like on the celebration or even just right after he scored the goal, he didn't even look at it 
like to make sure it went all the way in he already knew like, he knows. It's, he knows. it's just yeah it's insane uh yeah just his prowess and the moments of magic that he can conjure up and so when uh when you have fans that pretty much blast him and say that he's finished we need to uh to trade him or we need to you know transfer him out i mean it's it's insane i'm just like uh no i mean <laughs> it's he's coming back from an acl injury like this is him with 12 goals after he came back from an acl injury like next year is just gonna be gangbusters if he can stay healthy again so, well, I saw, um, Ro- I think it was Rob Osri from Dirty South Soccer tweeted after the game. It was Joseph Martinez. I think it was 1.25 legs has just been on the fringes of the Golden Boot race. So, you know, God help everybody in the playoffs. And then and then next year, I think he, he's going to be right up in that mix again. Exactly. He only played 24 games this season. Like, uh, and he got 12 goals. Like that, That's a return that you'll take every single time. Uh, yeah. You know, one in every two. But, um, I believe it was um, 0.7 goals per 90 minutes, I believe, which is, is either 0.7 or 0.8. All I know is he's in the top nine in the league, for because I was actually researching that. He's, he's in the top nine in the league for uh, goals per 90, which tells you all you need to know. You know, As I say, one and a half legs, and he's, he's still one of the most lethal strikers in the league. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, and on to your snob friends. Uh, yeah, it mm-hmm. is... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I think uh, you know there. It's not really even like uh, the defenders could really do anything about that, you know, because the no. criticism is always, oh, like that's some shitty defending, and yeah. you know, where was that defender? And it's like, yeah, like he tracks him. He, you know, is close enough to him. He just has so much quality that yeah. really the defender couldn't do anything about it. But um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But anyway, uh, the in terms of uh, like not only FC Cincy, like that gets us into the playoffs, like we just mentioned, uh, and into fifth place. But uh, yeah, you know, in terms of uh, some news, well, yeah, George Bellow, uh, he was uh, as according to you know Doug Roberson on the AJC, he did talk about how. He's attracting interest from Champions League clubs, uh, whether that's Galatasaray or otherwise. But, um, yeah, I mean, Robinson and Bello, like these two players that have been either in the U.S. men's national team or otherwise uh, kind of in and out. Um, yeah, you know, you said that you thought Robinson would uh, probably not be long for this league, but Bello attracting interest from uh, Champions League sides. Uh, yeah, how... How uh, you know? How long do you think he's got in MLS before you know maybe uh, one of those sides does actually come in for an offer and uh, you know and United accepts because uh, he's 19. He's you know a guy that's uh, on that fringe and it's uh, definitely very very promising so far in his uh, in his very nascent career. Yeah, I think it's a little bit different. Obviously, there is an age gap that you forget about with. Uh... Miles and, and George Bellow, I think there's, there's five years separating them, which you wouldn't think so, but I don't think Bellow's quite ready yet. Um, all, all all the ingredients are there, you know, he, he can he can deliver a great ball, he can be solid defensively, he can make the right runs, um, I just don't think he does any of it consistently enough just yet, which is absolutely fine. He's 19 years old, 
and it will come with with time and experience but he is a massive talent and speaking purely from the outside looking in and objectively my unexpert opinion of what I would do is I'd say another year in MLS would suit him perfectly get one more year under his belt because you've got to remember he sat a year out as well um, I believe 2019 so there's a year of his development gone straight away Um, and I think he needs to make up for that next season and start getting a few more assists start you know locking down that defensive work and I think one more year in MLS would really make him a much better player, and I think then he can go. And I think I think the world is oyster. Then I think he could probably have a pick of a quite a few clubs. But I think at this point, I can't see him getting into a Champions League team. And then it's always dangerous going to a Champions League team thinking you can get in, and then getting loaned out for for minutes because the club that signed you on loan is never going to have your best interests at heart compared to their own players. So that's always a dangerous game to play. So stay at Atlanta, stay with a club that values him and wants to develop him and does want to sell him for a good fee so they want to get the best out of him and get that other year under his belt, I think. Yep, definitely. And it's, uh, you know, he's often compared to Alfonso Davies, but it's, uh, mm-hmm. I don't I don't quite see it quite yet of like, uh, no. maybe quite those levels. Was, yeah, still a big gap there, yeah, I think um, it's a w- way too early to be making that comparison. Exactly, exactly. Because also uh, in MLS, uh, Davies was uh, playing as a right winger. Uh, he was uh, doing some different bits, uh, you know, scoring consistently, assisting consistently. Um, just a, a way different type of uh, profile, I feel like, uh, to what George Bello is offering. Uh, I think he's more an out-and-out left-back or, or wing-back uh, in in this league right now. Now, if he you know takes an, another step uh, you know up and you know kind of reaches another level, that would be amazing. Um, yeah, I think so far, yeah, he's still kind of uh, a little bit of a project with uh, a little bit of his uh, things that he needs to work on. But uh, someone who's probably not a project, but still a very very uh, talented uh, player that we possibly and. Uh, very likely we'll get in in January or maybe when the uh, the offseason starts whenever that uh, you know officially will be uh, is Tiago Almeida Velez uh, Sarfield's player that he also made the Argentine national team so definitely a big big talent you wrote an article recently about it and Almeida yeah big massive uh, Argentinian talent that uh, you know, a lot of people are looking forward to. There is, there's a little bit of like controversy uh, kind of attached with him as well. But uh, you know, you can probably speak to that a little bit as well. Uh, but yeah, what, what do you think about Thiago Almeida and uh, you know the type of player that he is and what he would maybe bring to Atlanta United? Yeah, I mean, obviously touching on on the pitch first off, uh, a really really exciting signing for Atlanta United and. One, I think a lot of people this time a year ago, if you'd have said he'd be coming to MLS and Atlanta United, I think people would have laughed at you. Um, as part of the scout report I did, I spoke to um, uh, Tom Robinson, who's a, an expert in, in the field in Argentina. He's actually flown out there, I think, yesterday. So, you know, he, he gets over there a lot and he's he's really involved in that scene. And he said to me, the fact that he's not in Europe already is so shocking. No one in Argentina can believe it. So, even if we only keep him for a year, is I think it's going to be a really good year. Um, he operates in that sort of left pocket in the half space where 
he can really sort of shift the ball into his right foot and sort of split a defence and with, with, with his passing, you know, whether on the floor or over the top, he, he's not scared to take on shots. He'll always try and drive the ball into the middle and get into shooting positions. I, I noticed his shot map is, is really, really centralised. He'll, he'll get into those middle areas and just let fly, which is great because, you know, Luis Arujo sometimes takes on those shots and Ezekiel Barco sometimes takes on those shots, but I've, I'd wager that Barco's going to go and you need another guy to come in who will just try his luck um, and keep a goalkeeper on his toes. But, you know, low centre of gravity. Um, there's, there's the criticism that he's not fully physically developed yet, but then again, has, has Lionel Messi ever been fully physically developed? You know, I don't think it really matters. I think it's a trope. So I think on the pitch, yeah, a really, really exciting signing. He's, he's got, he ticks all the right boxes in terms of creativity. Uh, he seems to have a decent work rate on the pitch and he can pass, he can shoot. So, yeah, really exciting. Um, off the pitch stuff, yeah, there's been obviously, I don't know, word this kindly, conflicting reports about is, there's obviously the, um, the, the, the court case, which I wouldn't like to comment on too much because, you know, the, these things, they're always tough areas to tread on. If, if the court finds him, not guilty or the the allegations are dropped then to me that's as far as the public can take it because that's what the the legal system's there to do is is find someone guilty or not guilty i always like to have the presumption of innocence until proven otherwise so um in, in terms of, of stuff to do with his character i know i have seen reports somewhere that some of the gestures that he's made have been taken a little bit out of context by foreign markets but again Without knowing the guy personally, I really wouldn't like to, to say too much. Um, all we can do is, is when he arrives in Atlanta, judge him, judge him on how he behaves. He's a 20-year-old kid. Kids make mistakes. Let's allow him the chance to, if it is a mistake what he's made, let's allow him the chance to make up for him and mature with that anti United, which I think would be a real credit to the club if they can sort of bring his personality up and, and really mature him. Yeah, and uh, definitely, you know, it's like uh, he's not the first player for LA United that's uh, brought some controversy with him or, uh, you know, had some while he's been here. Uh, so it's, yeah, I, I like how you're, you know, you're approaching that is give them the chance to uh, to prove themselves otherwise. And if they, yeah, do prove to be uh, an asshat, well, then, you know, they will be, uh, yeah. they will be booed uh, accordingly. But yeah. if, yeah. if he screws up, then he's the one who's going to have to deal with it and live with it. That, that's it. You know, he'll make his bed and he'll sleep in it. But, you know, he hasn't done that for Atlanta United yet. So give him a clean plate and, and let him prove that, you know, he's a 20-year-old kid that may have made mistakes in the past, but he's willing to, to put that behind him and, and get his head down and work. That's that's the attitude I take. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so obviously he has said uh, in Argentine media that, uh, he wants to be able to, you know, be here for one year and then move on to Europe. Uh, you know, a guy that, um, you know, it's not he's not the first Argentine player to say that either, of course. Uh, and, uh, you know, some get their uh, moves a little quicker or not. But, um, you know, talk about P.T. Martinez, of course. And, of course, uh, Ezekiel Barco is another player that, well, that's the question. Is he going to be able to get his move? Um, you know, I don't know, you know, like everyone, if we, 
Everyone will know that we're trying to sell him if we get Tiago Almeida in before. I mean, now everybody is already like alerted to it as well. And so if you're uh, if you're a, you know a club in Europe and know that uh, Tiago Almeida is coming in and we need to sell Ezekiel Barco, well, they're just gonna kind of milk us for the top dollar that uh, or maybe less. They'll uh, not want to uh, pay as much, rather. And that's going to be a, a thing where it's like, well, um, you know, are we willing to kind of eat a little bit of uh, what we paid for on him? Um, you know, it would be because uh, we paid around 15 million. I don't know if we can get 15 million in uh, from him in this market. That might be a little bit of an ask. Uh, and so I could see him maybe 11 or 12 million. But uh, yeah. Yeah, would that be good business by Atlanta United? Well, it's a loss, isn't it? So it's not necessarily good business. But then again, you look at what 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 have you gained on the pitch? And I know I know Barco's been in, incredibly inconsistent, but I think the second half of, of this season, he's certainly proved what he's capable of. And you know, he, really, without him, we don't make the playoffs this year. And who knows what he could do in the playoffs as well? So yeah. I think it's it's the best of a bad situation. I think if Atlanta United can get eleven or twelve million for him, then I think you take that and run and and just use it as credit in the bank. Um, you know, you, you've brought a guy up from from Argentina. He took a while to adjust, but you did manage to develop him in the end. You know, you you stuck with him and you did draw that that top class player out of him. That will count for something um, in terms of club shopping at Atlanta United and. Also, players who want to come up and follow that path, they'll see that, you know, Miguel Almiron's gone. Barco got his move, you know, they stuck with him. They didn't just throw him by the wayside. They stuck with him and got the best out of him. And that, that speaks volumes. In terms of the actual, you know, the, the fee being lowered because clubs know we need to sell, that, that's just an unfortunate byproduct of MLS's roster rules, which, you know, on the one hand, it makes it the most... The, the entertaining league that we all love to watch because there's parity and you know Colorado Rapids lowest spenders in the league and they finish top of the West and then all the big spenders are, a lot of them have missed out it's it's just a byproduct of the league unfortunately but it, it is what it is everyone's got everyone's in the same boat but I think when it comes to um, Thiago Armado I think yeah it's going to be one year and um, but I don't. He signed a long-term contract, so I don't think that's going to. You know, the fact that clubs know that he wants to go, I don't think that necessarily means that Atlanta United want to sell. If the clubs don't come in or they don't come in with the value, the right offer, they'll keep him. He's on a long-term contract. Pay, pay what he's worth, or don't get him. So I don't. I don't think when we're talking this time next year, I don't think we'll be too worried about the fee that we'll get for him. Yeah, and those are great points. Uh, another question would be, how does he fit in the team with a Marcelino Moreno that kind of uh, plays in similar positions, especially, uh, you know, driving at a defense from that left side into central areas? It's definitely going to be interesting uh, how they will fit together because, yeah, you know, P.T. Martinez and Ezekiel Parco didn't quite gel when they were together, uh, often ended up in the same, uh, almost even running into each other. And so uh, mm. hopefully that is not uh, the case, uh, you know, if it were uh, for Almeida and Moreno. But uh, moving on from all that, uh, yeah, you also wrote, 
an article about Darwin Mateos, Atlanta United 2 player who is now training with the first team and uh, yeah, maybe with an eye on uh, you know making that first team next year. Um, yeah, you know, kind of speak on uh, Mateus and uh, you know what's going on there. Yeah, so basically, a lot of Atlanta United two players have been let go on on vacation. You know, they didn't make the playoffs in USL, so their season's over. But what what I've been told, they have been informed that he's he's stuck around, and you know, he's been told to stay and, and train because Gonzalo Pineda. Um, until the playoffs start, basically, and then he can go. Um, it's you know, every, when he first came into the club, Gabriel Inter moved heaven and earth to make sure that they got him because he really liked him as a talent, and he made sure that he trained with the first team as much as possible. So he's been valued in the club from the start. He just needed time to adjust. You know, he's a young, a teenager that's that's moved countries, and he's quite a shy character from what I've seen and what I've heard about him, what I've been told. Um, I've been trying to get him on for an interview for a while, but he just he uh, he's, he's very very shy. So um, yeah, so he's been valuing second half is similar to Barco, obviously at the USL level. Where first half of the season it, it just wasn't quite clicking, he couldn't quite get adjusted. But then the second half of the season he's he's blown up and he's scored a few goals, he's got a few assists, and sort of he, he's put together a bit of a an impressive highlights reel as well. And um, so yeah, but from what I'm told, it it could and keyword could be the start of a process that sees him come into the into the first team next season and and start being maybe an impact player from the bench. Um, whether he's ready or not, again, the the same worry with Mateus is the same one with Thiago Almada is is he physically ready for that level? Um, but again, if he's got the talent, the the guy can just walk past defenders, no problem. He, he can finish. You know, he's really composed in front of goal. He's got that final product. So I wouldn't really worry. Talent always wins. And if he's, you know, if he's not the biggest guy, then well, you know, small players make great football players. So I wouldn't worry too much about the physical side of it. Yeah, and uh, definitely, yeah, you know, talented players on the bench or you know, getting looks uh in the multiple competitions that we'll be in i think will be a very very good uh thing you know regardless always well with, with, with down the pace as well he's going to be really hungry as well because obviously he's moved countries he's not he's not come over oh, over to you should should i say but to sit to sit in usl for four or five years or to be a bench warmer he's going to he's going to be really hungry to make an impression and you know he's his wages are low compared to some of the other options that Atlanta United have got. So, you know, if he plays 20 games for the first team next season and, and scores a couple of goals and gets a couple of assists, that, that's great value and it's great for him. So he's going to be really hungry for it. Uh, looking forward to see if he can make the first team. Uh, something that uh, has been out there uh, in terms of not only Doug Roberson, but Labour Cardenas uh, kind of mentioning about... Carlos Bocanegra, and if he will get an extension, uh, basically Darren Eels talked about uh, how uh, he's, uh, you know, he's basically spoken well about Carlos Bocanegra, but was a little bit mum about if there would be an extension or not. But mm -hmm. I think the uh, the interesting conversation is, will he and uh, does he deserve plaudits for the turnaround that LA United? had because well you know there is that bit of uh people were ragging on him about uh the level of talent that was brought in 
and it seems like they have come good. Uh, and at the end of the day, the most of the criticism that's left would be how he's handled the relationships with his players that either outgoing or, uh, you know, keeping them. It's uh, kind of been one of the knocks on Carlos Bocanegra. But first off, do you think he deserves an extension? That's the uh, million-dollar question, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, if you're breaking down the the plays that he's brought in, obviously, Pissy Martinez didn't work out, but then he's he's found Marcelino Moreno, and he's been fantastic this season. But as I say, Atlanta United's MVP, definitely. Uh, Ezekiel Barco has now come good. We've managed to get Luis Arujo in, which another great piece of business. Looks like Thiago Almada's coming in. Uh, Alan Franco has has grown in into the season, and I very much agree with that that sort of premise that you need a year in MLS just to adjust to being in MLS and all the crazy stuff that comes with it. So, you know, maybe, maybe in terms of the plays he's brought in, maybe we've been a bit quick to judge. Um, listen, we we all read the article that Felipe did, and Felipe's fantastic. You know, he's he's got the best connections of, of anyone in the Atlanta United community, and. If he says it, he, he wouldn't say something if it didn't have legs and if it if it weren't if it wasn't true. I you know I trust his word over anybody else covering this team. Um but we've never heard Carlos Bocanegra's side of it still. Um he, he's not really gone to any length to to truly defend himself. So if the stories are true that yeah, he can find talent, um, but he's a very stubborn character that rubs people up the wrong way, then Maybe Darren Eels might might be better just to part ways and, and bring someone in. Because Gonzalo, Gonzalo Pineda, for example, is, is a real people person. Um, he's been great with the media. The fans seem to love him. And he seems to that the players seem to have a great relationship with him already. So maybe that's the kind of vibe that they're trying to put in throughout the club. That's me purely speculating. Because obviously, I'm not with Carlos Bocanegra every single day. That's only if the, uh, the reports are true. Yeah. And th- yeah, that's definitely, I think, something uh, to your point about Gonzalo Pineda and, uh, you know, just the culture that he's trying to build. Uh, it doesn't seem like there is very much of a culture that uh, Carlos Bocanegra has built whatsoever. It's just kind of he's there. He calls the shots. He maybe has uh, yeah rubbed some uh, former head coaches the wrong way or uh, possibly undermined them in this mm. in, uh, in a way. But um, yeah. In that sense, I mean, does he deserve those plaudits for the turnaround for LA United? Because he was part of the decision-making to let go of uh, Hainsey. I think if you're going to beat him with the stick of things going wrong, then I think if things go right, you have to give him credit. Um, you know, credit to him for, for realizing maybe that Gabriel Hainsey was the wrong hire, getting rid of him so quickly and bringing in a guy who's much more of like you say a people person who's galvanized the club and um, yeah if, you, if you're gonna sort of put him under such a harsh light you have to give the guy credit the other way around you know some of, some of the signings as i say we've picked up this season of santiago sosa is another one for example who i think has been really promising so i do i do think on balance there, there are more positives than negatives 
Um, I think he's got more right than he has wrong. I mean, one MLS Cup, for God's sake. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. there's, there's, between two years, there's three, three or four trophies in the bank. So, if you count the Eastern Conference as a trophy as well. So, you know, there's plenty there to celebrate. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I think- as I say, yeah, if, if you're going to criticize him one way, then at least give him credit when he gets it right. Right. And so, maybe he just needs some... Uh... You know, maybe management classes, a little bit of uh, some uh, some coaching, uh, you know, seminars on basically how to, uh, you know, build a, a work culture and, uh, you know, finesse his hmm. game a little bit about, uh, you know, dealing with contracts with players, extensions, which whichever may have you. Uh, so that, yeah, you know, even just the, the players that are outgoing, they don't feel like in their maybe uh if there were exit interviews that they want to trash Carlos Bocanegra but uh <laughs> it's uh definitely one of those things where um you yeah, know yeah. we're not maybe not privy to uh every little bit but there's a lot of hearsay and uh whether that's true or not I mean it starts to I think where there's some smoke there could be some fire and so you know oh, definitely yeah. there's uh something that uh, needs to at least be considered, at least with uh, yeah, yeah. Carlos Bocanegra in an uh, extension. But uh, moving on, finally to yeah, uh, NYCFC, and we spoke a little bit about it on the top of the show. Uh, I mean, this won't be like a preview per se, but just how we feel uh, we will fare in that matchup, and if yeah, Chris, you feel like we can get past NYCFC. Yeah, of, of course we can. Um, very different team, but we've done it, done it before in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, Tati Castellanos, obviously the golden boot winner. Um, he's not the most efficient striker in MLS, but he's definitely the most hardworking and he is a serious talent. Um, Maxi Morales has had a great season. I, I thought he would be done last season, but he's been great again this season. He's really raised his level. Uh, obviously, Sean Johnson in net, Keaton Parks, James Sands, Jesus Medina has been improved this season. So, a lot of talent there um, and a tough pitch to play on. It's so narrow that it'll be interesting to see how Gonzalo Pineda lines up because even if you try and use wing backs to give you some width on that pitch, you're still not really getting any width anyway. So, it'll be interesting to see how much he maybe tries to beef up the middle of the midfield and make sure we dominate the ball there. So, they're all decisions for Pineda and his far superior tactical brain to make. But um, no, I, I don't think that Atlanta should be worried. I think they're perfectly capable of, of getting past NYCFC. They're not favourites. But, you know, with, with Joseph in the form that he's in, and with Ezekiel Barco and Arujo, and obviously Marcelino Moreno will be back, back as well. There's enough talent there to get it done. Um, I'll say 2-1 win to Atlanta United at this very early stage without knowing any of the team moves yet. <laughs> exactly. No, it's it's very early, <laughs> early days on this, of course. Uh, so I appreciate you indulging me. I'm putting you on the spot. But uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> but it is that. I think what's interesting is how uh, good this team is uh, dribbling at players, taking on players. Uh, and I think that's going to be something that's going to be really, really important for us in order to break down this NYCFC side on a small pitch uh, because yeah you know maybe in yesteryear with 
uh, a Miguel Amiron or a Tito Vishalba. Uh, we needed space in behind in order to run, in mm -hmm. order to have that verticality. And uh, instead, actually, we might be able to actually, you know, dribble our way around and find the pockets of space that we need to be able to hurt NYCFC. Uh, so I do like our chances, I think, uh, yeah. very much so. Um, in lieu of that, because I think we're number one in the league in terms of, I think, uh, dribbles completed. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, in terms of take-ons, uh, yeah, I think we're uh, near the top, if not the top, uh, in terms of, you know, attempting those type of take-ons. And so, uh, and then we have that safety valve in the back in Miles Robinson to be able to, uh, you know, not have to worry about that uh, that one-on-one -on -one, uh, against, uh, you know, against a Brad Guzan who also is in really really good form shot stopping wise and so yeah it's it's definitely one of those oh. where we have all the pieces I think to be able to get past NYCFC um, so yeah I would uh, I would say hmm, I think uh, yeah 2-1 is a very good score line uh, I say we can pull off pull off maybe a 1-0 win maybe but yeah, um, go for the clean sheet. I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but either way, uh, we'll we'll maybe uh, I'll discuss it on the next pod uh, before the actual match. It will be on November twenty first at three p.m. on ABC, uh, and so that will be uh, yeah some prime time on a Sunday, going against uh, yeah the American football, the uh, the eggshell football. Uh, so that will be, I think, uh, pretty, that's, I think that, that bodes well in what they're thinking anyway, that, uh, mm. it can do if they're matching it up against the likes of that type of thing. So I think, uh, you know, hopefully there will be a lot of eyeballs and that we can pull it off, uh, and kind of give, uh, NFL a run for their money. But either way, uh, yeah, that pretty much is the show. I mean, uh, guys, thank you so much for watching, for everything. But uh, but Chris, let us know where the good people can find you on the internet. Yeah, uh, on Twitter at cjsmith91, and um, probably tweet way too much nowadays. But you know, you can uh, get all my takes there, and then uh, on Instagram at chris underscore smith underscore mls. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. He's a great follow uh, at him. Uh, troll him. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, no, we definitely uh, we probably share some trolls and uh, we can uh, deal with those guys, uh, you know, collectively probably. But and that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and a rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Chris, I'm AJ. Thanks for listening.